everyone, welcome to Zon in Canada. Carl Olson is joining me today. What's good? I wasn't planning on doing a new episode uh, quite so soon, uh, but some really big news just dropped, and uh, I what's think that, we, Jesse? I think we, we we have to talk about it. Oh, oh, uh, that prob- news. Yeah, probably the biggest anime-related news of the year so far: the French dub of Cheese Sweet Home is now airing on Radio Canada. Weekday mornings at 8.50 a.m., marking the <laughs> long-awaited return of anime on our French national public broadcaster. I could not be happier about this. I I think you're being facetious, Jesse. <laughs> I think you're being only, a little, only, bit, little bit facetious oh, about, oh, oh, about what's the biggest news. Only a little bit. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, think, I think it is big news. Uh, no, it is actually kind of good because it, it would seem like there is quite an opportunity to... Uh, to fill a little time with uh, some some short form anime, I, I I did. It's a little interesting because I noticed that Radio Canada actually has less children's content than the English CBC does, which you know is, is, is impressive is kind of, because there isn't like a ton <laughs> on English CBC these days. So like isn't. it used to be, the mornings of English CBC on weekdays would would have a pretty solid block, but now. In part because you, have, I mean, BC has knowledge filling that gap a little, but there's also just stuff like Tweehouse House and all these other specifically children's-related networks that are kind of yeah. the same decimation that has happened in the rest of, in the U, in the U.S. has happened up here when it comes to children's television on broadcast. So the fact that any's turning back up. Yeah, I mean, if you're not, if you're not aware, Radio Canada through the 80s and early 90s ran tons of anime. Like uh, World Master Week's Theater, Cat's Eye, and City Hunter. Yeah, those aired, <laughs> those aired on, on, on Radio Canada. I um, hope not as children's shows. I'm not sure. Just I wake up in the morning and I it's th- just City Hunter Cap and News. <laughs> it's not necessarily the most positive. Well, I, I think it may have run later. I'm not sure. I, this is why I need someone who is more familiar with that stuff directly to if, come on the if, podcast about If you about know it. about uh, French-Canadian anime... You contact Jesse. Yes, please or do. Or contact me, but I'll just make you contact Jesse, so cut out the middleman. Yeah, contact me on the contact form at zonin.ca, or through Twitter at zonincanada, or email zonincanada at gmail.com, because I really want to put this episode together. Um, but yeah, it's nice that it comes full full circle with, with Cheese with cheese Sweet Home, even though it's just a three-minute anime, it airs at... It's not even... It doesn't even appear in the digital guide. You have to... You have to grab uh, his other block as yeah. stuff. On the other hand, but, I kind of like the idea of three minute stuff starting to come over because I think there are so many goofy little gems that I would just, I, I think there is a lot of value in creating a, a packaged little half hour of these. I, I guess you could run something like, no more than five, like, I don't know, seven of these little three minute shows with ad breaks. And that's just, that's just, that just seems like it's just perfect for like this short attention span audience. You could just give person, people a blast of these different anime flavors. So you know what Crunchyroll has to do? They have to produce a French language dub of Banania and get that on TV stat. Wouldn't you mean Funimation would have to do a French language dub of Banania? Yeah. That, I guess that kind of brings us to, uh, the other, the other big news. So, so what happened is, uh, an alliance has been formed between Crunchyroll and Funimation. Um. It's almost as if they've shared employees back and forth lately for like the past three years. <laughs> like, they'd have like a direct line to each other. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically they're going to be sharing content now. Uh, nothing is going to be, like, no one show is going to be exclusive to either service. Particularly when I'm on the podcast, my longstanding gripe is that, um, like it's cool that these services um are there and but eventually this has to be played as a a global game with a more unified library because that's how you simply 
you uh you you just you you choke out opportunities for piracy by simply saying like why bother every simulcast every simulcast you will give a fuck about you can subscribe to one service for dub or another or the other service for subtitles or if you want both two services that will still run you less than two japanese blu-rays or two blu-ray box sets annually and get every simulcast in hd on your phone on your playstation etc plus a library that you could never personally afford in depth. <laughs> Only a few titles have been have been put under Crunchyroll from Funimation so far. It's it's obviously um, they've got a huge like pile of stuff to like to, to plug in because Funimation's library has grown by. I mean, they have most of the old ADV library. They have most of the old Genian library. They have a considerable part of Bandai's library. There is just a litany of things to try and jam into that pipeline. Um, from Crunchyroll's end, and Crunchyroll being uh, a digital first media company isn't going to half-ass that. Like that's going to be put up there with care and quality because they, I think for I think I do really think a huge piece of this is, and it really plays into. I think there is a little foreshadowing on this um, on Miles's side where he's talking a lot about anime economics, like over the past few weeks. Uh, Miles, who, uh, works for, 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 for Crunchyroll, if you don't know, and who's quite an anti-Twitter personality, has gone on some very beautiful multi-tweet tirades where he breaks down, like, why anime piracy and streaming is bullshit if, um, you, in the, or pirate anime streaming as opposed to legitimate anime streaming and how much more money that puts in the industry and how if the whole problem is, you know, you don't have access to all the simulcasts on one thing, that's kind of nonsense. Well, now it's fully, fully nonsense. Every simulcast, will be available on Crunchyroll effectively. I mean, the what's left over is a rounding error. Um, day and date. And then very shortly afterwards, the dubs for that will be on, uh, for anything worth dubbing, that isn't just completely niche like Bananya, um, will be dubbed in on Funimation. And if you subscribe to both services, you're getting everything subtitled, everything dubbed. I, I think overall, like this sort of alliance, which I, I'm pretty sure happened very... Suddenly, I don't. Um, I think this is something they've probably been kicking around for a bit. Uh, n- not not too long, because remember, uh, Crunchyroll announced their dubs and home video releases at in AX at the beginning of July. But I don't think I I don't think that necessarily precludes them. I think I think I think that's them having a an A plan while this or a B plan while this other stuff's coming together. Because there's a bunch of stuff that for them to maybe even secure the licenses they needed to follow through on these following things. Yeah. So but then it wasn't for a few weeks until after that when we started hearing some rumblings, some rumblings happening with with certain industry people on on Twitter and social media. That, that just it. means that they were getting closer to the ink drying. I don't think that necessarily precludes there being a bit more of a lead. Until until they say otherwise, I'm going to be like, there's no way that there isn't just like, if only so that they can keep their the people they license from happy. There must be just some incredible legal footwork going here because I mean, is is if you're not familiar with it, like, uh, you ask any industry guy and they just say, like, anything where you would need one signature in the West, contractually, you probably need 10 or 20, uh, mm-hmm. for Japanese stuff. So the fact that they've somehow managed to put this deal together, um, either they've done an amazing sort of, like, they're in a position where once it's in their ball court, they can divvy it however, so that they basically, whoever, whoever they license from has no say in whether they like this or not, or they've managed to clear uh, amazing amount of content and, and gain an incredible level of trust, uh, from the Japanese studios and 
part licensing partners and and media companies to be allowed to do this because honestly I do think this does play into like one of my like longstanding things is what I've said about Crunchyroll is they play a global game. They don't they aren't trying to win anime in America. They're trying to win anime distribution pretty much everywhere but Japan. And the fact that they've started into co-pros means they'll you know they'll they'll gladly be the streaming service there as that, well if that if the opportunity arises. That does bring up one point I have to make. Um, this is that, this, this is, is North this is North America, Canada, and the U.S. only. There's this a does not affect other markets. Well, so, there's a like, lot of footnotes in that too. There's yeah. some they they have some footnotes for some other markets there. Possibly, but overall, what we're seeing is like a turn against the fragmentation we're seeing in, in the market right now. I know I, I, a lot of people have been uh, interpreting this as anti-competitive and and monopolistic, which I suppose is technically true, but no, it's not because, a bad thing because no, in this case I, you're competing with services like Kiss Anime that literally, for the most part, have everything, which is a big mark against a lot of the legal services, and now. They have, well, and they, they at least have major ammunition against that. But, well, no, and also, I don't think it's monopolistic when your other competitors in the legal streaming space are Netflix with a multi-billion dollar yeah. market cap, and Amazon with a multi-billion dollar that, market cap. That's and the Hulu other side of the With situation. a multi-billion dollar market cap. And the thing is, you're up against multi-billion dollar market cap companies who are then on top of it neglecting this niche space. So you, you either have a choice of you bring yourself together and you offer what is it, it, put it this way, if they were merging together and then jacking prices up, uh, th- one, you would basically, you would, you would, you would see the, t- you'd see the territory to, t- to piracy anyways. And, uh, two, it would definitely be in the monopolistic thing. They are clearly in a mode where they're like, we have to shut out any, you know, put it this way, we have to really make the argument being it's like, okay, if you're flat broke, but you still somehow have internet, that's pretty much your only excuse for not spending the 60 yeah. bucks a year to get access to one or the other of these services and literally having essentially every anime worth watching at your access. And I mean, like, you're talking a catalog that includes so many classics. I don't think Miles would have let loose. It's like, by the way, we've done the math. We've done the numbers. We've monitored the traffic. We know that all the traffic on the pirate streams is for stuff that we simulcast or our competitor in Funimation, then competitor simulcasted. Yeah. That basically is saying. I, I, believe, like, I believe he pointed out that Macross Delta was actually not very popular on the Pirate. Yeah, so you can't be like, well, it doesn't have Macross Delta. It's like, yeah, it's, that sucks. And Harmony Gold's <laughs> a piece of shit for constantly fucking with Macross, uh, in America. There's no way around that. And if anybody from Harmony Gold wants to take it up with me, seriously, come to me on Twitter. What you've done to that property, um, what you've done to Shoji Kamori's legacy in anime in the West. Is a tragedy because you his, good, you, his good legacy. His good legacy. Oh, well, here's the other thing: is you are leaving. Also, you're just shitty business people. Yeah. You're leaving uh, money on the table. Maybe is not is maybe not as much as people would like to admit. We, we, we are talking about a business that is floating pretty much entirely because of real estate they own in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what? Maybe you could just divest that license and just focus on real estate. I, I have noticed a lot of people. Harmony Land. Uh, just going back to Macross, <laughs> many people on social media have been joking about the idea that this collaboration could lead to you know companies teaming up and taking down Harmony Gold, but that might actually be a real possibility now. Um, or at least they might have that 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 power to overcome some problems that they, they weren't able to overcome before in Japan. Who knows? We'll see. Um, I think it at least... It, 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 it at least um, they can go to Harmony Gold and be like, look, we'll do literally everything in, in what is essentially the best for every market. We'll have Funimation, the kings of anime home video, who have understood that market... Clearly better than any of their competitors. I'd say that Discotech are the kings of anime video. I guess it depends how you're looking at it. No, I'm talking about volume and and by longevity. Yeah. 
you have an incredibly established group of people who will guarantee that you will monetize the home video as best as possible. Yeah. In terms of track record. You have the streaming team that will make sure that if you've got, you know, your this will be as as, as good as it's going to get in terms of monetization on that angle. You know, you're going to make as much money as you can out of this. And certainly more, if you're being honest with yourself, than you are on your own. So are you going to, are you, I mean, at that, I mean, it's a pity they're not a publicly traded company because it'd be very easy for activist investors to say that what they're doing is clearly not in the best interest of the company. But, uh, again, I'm still, I'm still concerned that, you know, we're, we're seeing the, the move against fragmentation here in, in Canada and the US. Um, that, that may not be the, I don't think that is the case in, in other territories right now. In fact, it may actually complicate things more in the UK because Funimation was just starting to roll out there and their, their role in the UK is very unclear at this point. And I think there are at least two, two other services there that are, that are fairly competitive. Um, so I, I might, that might be a long term thing. Like, I think this is also, if it turns out, if this works well, Funimation and will, will profit by it. Uh, Crunchyroll will be able to go to similar home video companies that aren't necessarily geared up around working on streaming and don't necessarily have the ability to make that pivot and say, look, we can cut you the same deal. Maybe we can even cut you an even better deal because of the rules that you have and what you have in those licenses. Um, This may become a pattern. And I don't think it's a bad pattern so long as the prices stay reasonable and so long as it's doing what it is doing, which is it's putting money in the hands of animators making literally starvation wages. I mean, that's the flip side of it is it's like when you subscribe to one of these services, you are helping put more money into that industry to at least either apply, apply, employ more animators at starvation wages or hopefully maybe pay the animators a little better. It, it, it is it is possible. A longstanding criticism against Funimation has been that they license titles for all of the Americas, but only release in the English-speaking territories, and now and, and just sit on the the Latin America licenses, and, and now it, and now those might finally sort of emerge. Um, well, that depends on the deal, and that depends on the deals they've cut. But I mean, you know, Crunchyroll is going to be like, look, you've got this stuff here. You don't have to do dubs for this. You don't have to worry about that part. We're not even going to worry about that part. But we'll get subtitling in there, and it's yet another. We'll cut another leg. Out from underneath it, the people who want to stream this stuff illegally. It's also really funny money. how Funimation streaming service could never really get subtitles working properly and would always have hard subbed streams yeah. and everything. And their solution to that problem has been just let Crunchyroll do it. Yeah, and, and that's that's what's great is that in this agreement, both of the companies have just sort of recognized each other's strengths, their, their, their strengths and weaknesses. Funimation has acknowledged that you know streaming's they, gonna they, fucking they, sue for them. They will. <laughs> <laughs> they cannot gain the space that Crunchyroll has. They certainly, certainly can't gain the kind of space that the pirate streaming sites have, which is what Crunchyroll has to gain. Like they're in a different, they're in a different ballpark altogether compared to Funimation. Funimation comparatively is well, not- a niche that works best when you want dubbed content. So yeah. having one service that focuses on so exclusively on sub content and then one service that focuses, I, I don't think exclusively on dubbed content. I think they're still going to have some sub stuff on Funimation. Yeah, I think but- there's going to be a bit of back and forth there, but I think the main thing is this. Um, it's, yeah, they're playing to each other's strengths, one, and two, it free, it does free them up to play their best, their best possible games. Funimation gets to play a great North American home video and English streaming game, and they get to play that to its fullest. This gives Crunchyroll that much more am- ammunition in their long-term game, which is we we do subtitled anime globally, every language um, that we can turn a profit on, even if it's a, even if it's the littlest profit. That's still money that goes back to the licensors, yeah. 
for the most part. And, uh, it totally fits with that. And that's part of why I would think they, they would, uh, you know, even if it's not part of this initial deal, if it's working out, they will, they will, they will want to come back for those Latin American rights. Crunchyroll is setting themselves up such that, um, they're going to have content in every, uh, widely spoken language on earth. Uh, for, for the purposes of subtitling this Funimation deal, if not immediately, if in future deals by virtue of getting access to their Latin American content and licenses provides them with even more ammunition in that. Only if you're speaking a uh, very niche language, do you have any excuse to be pirating anime? Um, and only that niche language or you don't have like, uh, you know, some secondary, like more widely spoken language in your repertoire. You've basically monetized anime as fully as possible. Like they have done as much as they can for the companies they have license this stuff from to extract money back out of it and get that back to them, which of course a pirate service does not do. It does not extract any money back for the actual yeah. companies. In case anybody listening to this podcast is not fully sold on the idea of, of legal streaming, uh, rest assured when you, the money that you pay for a Crunchyroll subscription does indeed directly subsidize the shows that you watch on the service. This has been explained and demonstrated again and again. Yeah. Uh, by by Crunchyroll and similar streaming services. If if anything, it's like the most democratic way of supporting yeah. television shows possible. Yeah, is to watch them on the service, and this yeah. goes for if you watch the uh, shows with with uh, ad support as well. Um, of well, course, and I, and I also, but that, that, that's another thing. And I, well, I also, is this going to affect library accessibility in Canada? That's that's something that is kind of in the back of my mind. I guess in one, if you're not aware, Crunchyroll's library is uh, not available to non-subscribers uh, after a certain period of time. If it, shows are up for like 13 weeks after they first air, after that you need a, a subscription to access them, which is you know it's it's a total bullshit kind of situation that we still haven't gotten a proper explanation about. And I, I'm just curious, I'm just wondering, like, will this, I guess, obviously we don't know, we can only speculate. Yeah, I think, but, I think longer. Like, is this, is this on one hand gonna, could this fix this problem on Crunchyroll? Or, oh, conversely, could it encourage Funimation to pull a similar, uh. I think longer term, it's the kind of thing where if they can more comfortably own that space and thus charge, you know, get real ad dollars out of it, um, it's easier for them to offer that as an ad-supported thing as opposed to a subscription-based yeah, thing. Yeah, but that's the whole thing. I mean, how can... I, I guess I come back to this question as to whether or not ad-supported streaming can even work in Canada. It's starting, have, to, it's starting to appear that it can't. Um, uh, I, I, I think... You, I, think I, mean, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy that services like Tubi are giving it a shot, but, you know, I, you don't even see ads pop up half the time on that service in Canada, which I understand is not the case in the U.S. I think, I think it's the kind of thing where you you need to... You need to reliably be in the space. It's part of the reason why I think, besides our CanCon laws, why brands don't always come up here and, and broadcasting as well is because you kind of need to know that you're going to actually be able to get the ad buys to make it viable. Um, yeah. And we are a smaller market, and we are, and and while we're right next to the U.S. with like 99% of the same brands, you know, it's different company. It's, 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 it's Coca-Cola Canada making an ad buy versus Coca-Cola if, America. If you haven't, right? if, if, if you have not maintained relationships with advertisers for like decades already, yeah. it's really tough to get in on the ad market in Canada. And I think that's a big reason why streaming services are having such a hard time because most of them are, are, new. Yeah. are new, which, uh, and then it's actually, but then even like show me and crave don't have ad supported options, which, well, shows and, that he, and they're run by the, by the big telcos. So, I, I, I mean, well, and it, but the thing is, the big telcos don't necessarily want to undercut their like other subscription offerings. That too, you, that um, too. <laughs> and I think they're also the big telcos are not the ones who are going to be data driven. 
uh, necessarily uh, when it comes to uh, trying to push their advertisers into this new thing. Like they're gonna, they they ha- they have no incentive to. Yeah, uh, I I still say ad based streaming in general is it is a method that is so entrenched in just the U.S. in 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 U.S. audience trends in just the way it's built from the ground up uh, that it can't really be trans translated properly to other countries. It is, it is it is a system that is very much designed only to work in the U.S. and was designed that way without really considering the context of other countries. Because, um, I mean, it doesn't... You don't really hear, like, about ad-supported streaming working in any country outside of the U.S. ever. It's not just Canada. Well, well, not not for not for not for this heavier duty content. Like YouTube makes tons of money everywhere off of there. Well, okay, yeah, YouTube. Um, but I think that's the thing is, is you is you then have to you in a, in a sense. But YouTube gets the advantage of essentially they're an advertising company first by virtue of Google as the parent company, even if they weren't originally an advertising company first. Um, which is why they built such a good video service to start with, and were worth acquiring. They were then monetized by a company that was an advertising company first. Um, and understands that you do crazy levels of micro-targeting and all that kind of stuff. And I think for niche media, like, for like anime, you have to own a lot. You have to be unquestionably the owner of that space in a country. Just like the way YouTube is in, unquestionably the owner of space of many, in many countries. Um, and to the extent to which they aren't, their competing services still run lots of ads. There's still tons of ads on Daily Motion or something in Europe. Um, you have to really be able to like, you, 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 there's a, there's a level of lock-in that we're, it's put this way. You can get there, and there's reason for the purposes of heading off pi- again, another, another disincentivation of piracy saying like, look, we'll give you a, st- a standard F stream at, with, with some ads. You've again, locked out these, you, 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 you nail down these little arguments. But again, that's, that's YouTube. YouTube is very different in the way it, it works. Most companies don't see YouTube as a viable way of, of funding like, um, like studio con- studio produced content. It's mostly like like uh, I don't want to say individually produced content because most YouTube personalities are not individuals. They're groups of people. <laughs> they're, they're, they're groups who are starving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, and no, some of those guys eat great. Yeah, right, and, so. but I mean, you, you mentioned like the just being the name to in claim a space in the zone in Canada or in anywhere, but in here in this case in Canada specifically. Um, Netflix, I, I think, is is still going to be like the big streaming, uh, what, the, the, the streaming about, name here, no matter how you market it. And that's, I think, that's, that is that has definitely shaped the market towards subscription services anyway. So that's two marks against um, trying to do an ad based thing. Is people yeah. are already used to subscribing. Yeah, I, I, I think, and I think towards that end, that may be the other thing is they're like, well, people are already used to subscribing. Um, literally, I mean, Netflix seems to be yielding the space because they're not adding much new stuff. Um, while they're co-proing stuff. They'd have to co-pro a lot more before they become a reason to subscribe to Netflix, right? They'd have to have a lot of content before you're like, I'm subscribing to Netflix for anime yeah. over Crunchyroll. But if that's, but the- if, but if Netflix has trained everybody to subscribe, Crunchyroll would be kind of foolish not to monetize on it because it does give them much more to, money to, to send back. To an extent. But the thing is that Crunchyroll is ultimately only going to get subscriptions from people who are anime fans and want to watch lots of anime. Shows mm. that they have on there that might have crossover appeal can't... Like, like this is the thing. Crunchyroll is pretty much going to be... The, if it wasn't already, it is now the... Place to stream anime. The place to stream anime. But it's only going to have that anime for... It, it's only going to still be seen as accessible for people who want... Anime specifically, and you're gonna have titles who are, that are behind a, a, a kind of a wall hey, for a mainstream audience. 
uh, I mean, case in point, Cowboy Bebop is going to be now legacy, on Crunchyroll. But um, it's going to be Legacy, so if you want to see it subtitled, yeah. you're going to have to you'd, you'd have to you'd have to shell it for a subscription. I uh, actually, it's it, well, it will be available to to um to non subscribers for a bit, yeah, for like thirteen weeks. But here's the thing, also, is that. Um, this is like the best, I think actually streaming on Crunchyroll is probably the best exposure that Cowboy Bebop has ever had in no. Canada. Well, in Canada, yeah. Um, and that's, and that's, but I in a way it's good. If you were in a position where you could just link somebody to who wasn't a fan and say, watch this, um, you will make a fan out of them and you will then, that is a very, that is of long-term value to anime as a medium because you've now turned somebody into somebody who is going to likely contribute back uh, monetarily and per- perpetuate the medium. Yeah. Um, and that cuts off that pathway of that your first exposure being through a legitimate thing that then gets you in. Um, I think the flip side of that is this. I don't think necessarily your YouTube, your not YouTube, uh, your Netflixes and your Amazons are going to completely just abandon the space just because uh, Crunchyroll's there. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not no, saying no, they're no, going to no, abandon no, no, the no, space. No. But. no, but the thing is, if I can at least for those big, big titles, which tend to be your gateway titles. If I can point to them on a service somebody's probably already subscribed to, fine. And I think in the case for a lot of these things, I can probably say, go to Netflix and watch this. And then once they're into it and be like, okay, Netflix only has the baby shit. Uh, here's the good stuff well, on Crunchyroll. It's not it that sucks. they have the baby shit. Well, it's you know what I mean. The stuff that Netflix has, it's not gateway stuff. Nobody's going to watch Kuro Mukuro, who isn't already... An anime fan. Yeah, no, but I'm talking about, about a lot, but uh, but a lot of in terms of their what they're gonna what they're gonna keep what they're gonna bother to keep if they if they license if they if they if they if they buy anything off Funimation. But that's the, that's the thing they have not bought anything off of Funimation since January. I think Gunslinger Girl was the last title. That but was I, a- yes, they haven't bought anything since January. I mean, if Netflix only had basically like stuff that had run on Toonami, and that was it, just shows it had had that kind of exposure. Because Tsunami tends to pick, with very notable exceptions, gateway-type shows. If that's all they had, that would be all I would need, for the most part, to get people into the medium of anime. Yeah. Of course, um, it's also not in Netflix's interest to send people to Crunchyroll. So well, they're, they're, they're very much trying to compete with them, but... Well, yeah, no, no, no. a lot of well, money and... A, just with a lot of money and not a lot of sense. Well, and but, I, think, well, I think the flip side of it is this. It probably increases the value of Crunchyroll's uh, catalog... And Funimation's catalog to have this thing together in terms of, um, now that you have sub and dub, it's a lot e- for going forward on some Crunchyroll titles. I wouldn't be shocked if there was secondary streaming runs. That's a possibility now because it's not really going to happen with sub only content. Um, so depending on what their licenses allow, there's that. But Funimation's certainly in a better position when it comes to something that Netflix says, Oh man, this is one of these shows that we have to have to even kind of retain that audience. And be like, well, you know what? You have to give us extra because we're already monetizing this very strongly here. So we want this out of you for it. It's going to allow them to to extract more money out of the mainline services because they're going to be able to go, uh, particularly for the purposes of currently the United States. Be like, hey, we're already we're already making this stuff here. So if you want in on it, you're going to pay for that, and they're going to be able to they're going to be able to extract a little rent on that, and that will let them turn around and co promote more shows. I think there's some angles there because if Netflix wants to stay in the space at all, they're going to have to, they now have a real competitor in the space that essentially is already co-producing any, either of them were co-producing more shows than Netflix was. 
and releasing them in a fe- and releasing them in a method that the target audience actually likes, unlike the way Netflix does it. Also, keep in mind that in the, that for them to have the incentive to put things on Netflix, they would need that incentive in both the, in the United States and Canada. Yeah, uh, because the those licenses are always attached when something yeah. is added to when an anime is on Netflix in the U.S., it is always in Canada. It's, yeah, that's they they've gotten they 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 got that squared out a long time ago. In case yeah. you weren't aware, but the thing is. Um, in the states, it's that having that middle ground is not necessary because they still have. Well, I I guess maybe not Hulu because Hulu's subscription now. But what's the Yahoo the, the free Yahoo thing? That's that pretty is, much dead though. That's gonna get no, not, not Yahoo Screen. The new one that they moved all the free Hulu content onto. That's where that's, Cowboy Bebop is now. That's so weird. It is weird. I've, in fact, so I've kind of weird. lost track of it. Because people aren't really talking about it no, that much. No, like I don't but like anything it's... Yahoo does doesn't count. Like I think long term, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I don't think anybody's gonna be pointing anybody yeah. to Yahoo. But a- anyway, there are more middle ground streaming services where, for instance, you can find Cowboy Bebop in the states that does yeah. not exist in Canada. You don't have, you don't have that middle ground for we're for, not, for, yeah, for, for yeah, sort of we're, capturing we're, casual viewers. Yeah, we're, that not... we're missing that completely in Canada still. Uh, and well, and, I, and again, like even I, though even though this this Crunchyroll Funimation Alliance is definitely an unquestionably good thing in my opinion um it kind of also contributes to this problem even more i don't know i don't think we would have suddenly gotten one if in its absence here i don't think it would have helped us out in its absence and i honestly think it's a lot easier for them now to maybe redact this idea of the uh the cutoff on the catalog, if they can go to advertising and say like literally we will monetize you the entire anime watching audience because we have fucking every anime. <laughs> um, I think it's a lot easier to, to say like your ad buy is literally like anything, you know, we, we have this locked. We all, we are it outside of a, a, a rounding errors worth of titles. Um, most of which probably you wouldn't care to run ads on anyways. Anything worth running ads on, we can do so. Um, I think that gives them the best possible leg up they're going to get. If there's middle ground stuff, they're suddenly competing with those middle ground things for dollars, and it's even more of a yeah we can we can afford this on the things that are simulcast, and we can on our catalog. They're gonna, like the only way you're going to make that catalog reasonably ad supported is if you have basically everything ever worth having. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. O- only in Canada would this idea of discoverability be something that you'd even well no worry because about. no no because <laughs> we don't have a tsunami. Like we do not. I mean, until we have. Uh, a broadcast block of some sort, or even just like one show stripping. Like at the moment, the most to be to be perfectly frank, the most anime thing running on Canadian television right now that isn't Cheese Sweet Home on Radio Canada is Steven Universe. So well, there, the Iron Man anime is still running. Okay, charge. there is yeah, that. There is that, and it's, and it's still running in its same I time would, slot. I would, so I would contend Steven Universe is probably in some ways more anime than the Iron Man anime. You know what? I, you know what? I think I would agree with you on that. But that's uh, the that. point. But that's the point. It's all like, yeah. yeah. I mean, put this away because the kid who sees that and works out what the references are is suddenly going to be introduced to Initial D and Utena and Ava and Fully Cooley and all these other things. They're nodding and making references to. They're more likely, or to, maybe new shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> or new stuff. Well, no, but the thing is, is they're more likely to 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 pick up stuff from trying to decode one of their yeah. favorite American cartoons at this point here in Canada. We just don't have the same amount of stuff out here. Yeah. Oh, and Beyblade Burst. That's and are we still on... do we still have Pokemon? Oh yeah, there's still Pokemon. So there you go. I mean, yeah. we just we yeah, but the thing is, uh, what's what's what what like what like ass is running like One Punch Man? They're running. 
Like, Toonami's running like... JoJo's Bizarre Adventure starts in a couple months. That's really all you need to say. Yeah. We don't have a place for a JoJo's (laughs) currently. That's the thing. And that's that's one of those shows that, yeah, if somebody was flipping through channels and saw that, they'll stop, they'll want to know more. And, you know, then if there's a streaming service where they're only getting the first 13 weeks, they're still getting the first 13 weeks of what's currently on. There's usually always one or two good things on. They'll get hooked and they'll go into the back catalog. Or they'll be like, I missed a bunch of this thing and it's in this back catalog. Seven bucks. I spend that on lunch. Yeah. I mean, with with the whole television exposure thing, I, I think people understand that. And we understand that, you know, the audience obviously it was much smaller on television than it used to be, and that's why a lot of people dismissed that idea. But even though technically something will reach more people on a service like Crunchyroll, I think you also have to remember that on television it will reach an audience that otherwise would never see it. It doesn't pay attention. Um, like, yeah. Crunchyroll is... Well, I mean, and that is a, that's a straight medium is the message type thing. Uh, the internet... Getting information on the internet is not a passive thing. You're always yeah. making choices that bring you to a place. TV is just... It, TV is just like, I'm flipping... I mean, yes, with channel guides, that's changed, but a lot of the time people just flip and you, you're not going to flip to Crunchyroll unless it's the Christmas special. (laughs) Now, that said, I'm really hoping as an aside here, I really want a funny roll, Crunchimation, Christmas special. I want Justin Rojas and, uh, Miles and uh Victoria, Victoria and Evan and, Evan, and all, all those, those guys kids. and yeah. of course though it still has to be hosted by Mike Tool but uh there's I, I think that you get Zach in there too actually, Zach Virtue from Yeah, yeah actually it should be Zach and Mike <laughs> and you know and Jacob like we need it we need like just like all this should be the Annie Twitter Christmas special at this point yeah yeah <laughs> Though I gotta say, like, yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, one of the, one of the few things that isn't in there is, of course, like, Discotech has been grabbing a lot of great licenses, and I don't know the extent to which any of that streamed, um, or where. They're, they're getting some stuff up. You can watch, uh, Space Adventure Cobra on, on Crunchyroll. And that's the thing, though, is just, oh, so they're getting stuff up exactly with who you would think they, a rational but, company that focuses on physical media actually, would do that's, so. That's the other thing. Like, how are the other, how are the other companies going to factor into this? It's, it's hard to say because Funimation and Crunchyroll with the deal that they have, the, the symbiotic relationship that they've formed, mm-hmm. it can, it could potentially become very difficult for other companies to really penetrate that space. Um, I mean, every, obviously everybody immediately goes to Sentai and say, oh, Sentai is going to, Gonna die as a result, which is not true because Sentai will live through fucking anything. Yeah, um, no, like the people, maybe, who, the people who read Sentai can run it on a shoestring for as long I, as they want. And the only, put this way, the only reason I see Sentai ever going out is because they decide to do, you know, like it gets to the point where like CPM got to, and they just decide like the CPM folks to cash out, like ah, eh, we're done, we had our fun, now we're just gonna go go around the world and hang out in Japan and turn up on TV unexpectedly. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's like, and I and I would you, you, and you I would are referencing them. something specific there. I am referencing <laughs> specifically the the former head of CPM, is Don O'Donnell. Yeah, turned up uh, in some sort of Japanese TV show at the airport, like he was going to Japan for what was that? Like I can't remember, but it, I mean, it's Don O'Donnell. It's probably yeah. just to like to start hell and talk about how. D- d- the anime ain't no Disney. It ain't no Looney Tunes. <laughs> I, I I got a chance to interview John O'Donnell for one of the old Two Zone podcasts, and he is a blast. But it's like you know, if they take the John O'Donnell route and bail, cool, that's fine. But I think Sentai is in a position where they can always. I I I don't. I would not. We lay- keep we keep predicting the demise of the anime network, and it just never happens. They keep they keep figuring almost out cut, other ways. But if anything, they keep doubling down on what they're doing. 
Um, but it seems to be working for them. Somebody subscribes to that service. Well, and I think the other thing is this, is like, if they eventually decide to roll it up on that and focus on home video, I don't, I don't think there is a bad, I, I don't think that trying to leave your streaming to a company that's going to put, putting yourself in the biggest possible catalog for that and using that basically as a pay, an advertisement you got paid for. Yeah. You but, didn't pay for that advertising. You were paid to be advertised. The thing about Sentai and using is that, they, that to drive home video sales is a bad plan. Like I think the other companies that are in this space, Viz, Sentai, uh when they, when or if they ever bother with it, Write stuff, um obviously Discotech already, anybody who's left in this space would be smart to, you know, okay, so you're not going to get any of Crunchy's home video rights that's going to Funimation. Look, you don't want to have to necessarily... Crunchy's going to be buying titles you did never never were going to afford anyways. You don't want to have to deal with how quickly you've got to get those things well, out. Here's the thing. Sentai's bread and butter for the last few years has been titles that they didn't actually get the um, simulcast rights to. True. They're titles that Crunchyroll... Not up. simulcast, and then, true. And then they managed to get the home video rights to and later. Now, so, so that's and that true. Game, that's, that game is done. They just they they did kind of just cut Sentai off the knees because there's no more. Hey, we're gonna get the uh, Kyoto anime the, the Kyoto animation home video rights for this thing. So like moving forward, it's like are they gonna just grab like one or two like well probably one simulcast title every year and just hope hope that it's a hit? I like, think that's nuts. Yeah, I mean to be fair, you, like there is always. Like, anime is a crazy, uh, medium. You never know what little niche thing actually is gonna catch fire. Like, no, like, there's a lot of, of so many times where people thought, you know, the, the, the licensors didn't even think to get any merch made, and the show catches fire, and they're like literally six months behind the curve because of that, right? They, they, they try and get merch out there, try and get all this stuff out here. Like, Haruhi was one of these things that they did not think was going to, like, catch on. I thought it was going to do we're, well. We're going back a decade. We're going back a decade, but, <laughs> I, but, it's a, but it's a huge example of it, because, yeah. like, that show just exploded. And the... Sh- Shirobako. Shiro- let, let's go with that. Let's go with that example. Shiro, yeah, well, no, yeah. Shiro, well, the thing is, is Shirobako is even, like, more... You think it would be even more in the niche because it's a, it, it is the cartoon about making cartoons, and that's always usually that's fan wank. Yeah. And I guess what they didn't realize is like, but everybody's a fan now. <laughs> and yeah. again, just like nothing, nothing on the shelves to uh, to 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 sate that sudden desire. Um, I think now there's a lot of lot of merchandise coming out. Yeah, but um, I mean that's the whole point is they're catching up like a yeah. year, year and a half later. Yeah. We're this. talking the ja- we're talking of course the Japanese market with Shirobako. I think it's. Pretty not well, but really I, popular with with people outside of a very specific circle in uh, in <laughs> outside of any Twitter. That's what matters, I think. Sometimes more for the merch game because I mean, occasionally a show can get popular in the states and then drive merch for it. Like Cowboy Bebop probably drove. We had more merch driven for it by the U.S. audience than the Japanese audience. It didn't um, have a lot of merch. Yeah. No, it, but, uh, but, that, that, no, that, no, that merch came basically much later as it found a global it's audience. St- it still wasn't a lot. It still that, wasn't a lot, but, but, but what Cowboy Bebop has made a crazy amount in home video sales over the years. Oh, no, disgusting. Like, the fact that it's been able to float on home video sales alone in both Western and Japanese and other markets yeah. uh, is a big testament to how popular yeah. it actually is worldwide. But, I mean, that's the thing, though, is, is like, you know, the, it, you know there's, there's totally the possibility, given that kind of history... In, in anime, uh, over the years of them catching something that was that year's Shirabako, that year's Cowboy Bebop, that year's Haruhi. That's certainly on the, on the plate. If I were Sentai, I'd make the pivot to make my business model much more like Discotech or Right Stuff's. Um, 
You know because that S- Sentai is going to do the exact opposite of whatever, what they should what, be doing. Would never be, and still somehow and not still, die. Yeah. <laughs> they'll it's still just, they'll get away with it. And then it'll give us more fuel to talk and complain about and have everyone wonder and I'm, speculate I'm just what waiting, exactly I'm just thinking. waiting for them to get that, that, that show of the year and then someone be like, that's why I can't just subscribe to the thing. So I buy it and I'll be like, go fuck yourself on Twitter to that person. And then we have Viz, who is... Basically going to avoid working with Crunchyroll as long as I, they possibly can get they, away with they're it. They're just really salty that another company was able to come into the Bay Area way later and <laughs> eat their lunch. Yeah. Um, let's be real. Like, streaming to me strikes me as one of the rare instances where anime didn't lead technologically, commercially. Because anime commercially would often lead technologically. And the thing is, is, but, and there's usually sort of a piracy lead time before that. Uh, tape trading in the anime uh-huh. fandom, uh, the idea of digital distribution uh, made a huge amount of sense for the fan sub scene. Um, and that's something where if the companies could have just put a twist on the licensor's arm, they could have, you could have built, I mean, you didn't necessarily have great broadband penetration, but you obviously had enough that people were patient enough to, to torrent and IRC titles. You, they could have built that like 2004, 2005. They could have been out ahead of Netflix um, and that time could have been essentially, by, like, by virtue of doing that, could have led led that in a way. Um, but home video was doing so well, they kind of it slid by them entirely. Well, also the Jap- the perceptions of the Japanese market, yeah, no, where no. It played a huge role in that. Yeah, no, uh, no. Japan resisted online streaming yeah. for so long. Yeah, no, I mean, um, they, their their hands were bound and, in a very yeah. different way. Whereas convincing Japan of a of a new cool physical medium was not an issue. They had too many of them. I mean, like Laserdisc. Was was huge in Japan. Oh yeah, in a way Ta- that it never was here. Tower Records still going strong in Japan. Yeah, no, um, no, no, <laughs> like it was crazy. Not only still going strong in Japan, they are like tower. They are like they are like the Tower Records of old in the U.S. and exactly. then some. People buy CD singles well, no, in Japan. No, it's not even. Like, the, it's not even that people buy CD singles. It's that the depth of catalog in a Japanese Tower Records is massive. Yeah, like there are nerdcore rappers. They have their, they, like, they have, they have their CD is in no physical store, except in Tower Records in Japan. Yeah. That's suddenly where it's viable. It is a, such a <laughs> weird market. No, it's an but, incredibly strange market, yeah. uh, for physical medium. And yeah, so I mean, but I, it's, I mean, the flip side of it is, like I said, this deal may really show that there's been a realization. It's like you concede the environment to the convenience of piracy, or you can make legal stuff so much more convenient. And the fact of the matter is, is all of these services still require you to have a laptop or whatever and can give your laptop a million different kinds of viruses. Like there's whole stickies and posts on these discussion sites for these piracy things of how to avoid all the viruses they're going to give you. And instead you'd be like, dude, 60 bucks a year and it's just there. You have an internet connection anywhere in Canada or the United States. If you have a T-Mobile, uh, uh, cell phone plan, so your so your so your uh inter- so your Crunchyroll zero rated. You can literally stream all the anime you want. Let, 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 let's not <laughs> let's not get into, let's, let's not get positive about that now. No, I was um, I'm, 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 but I mean to outline, zero rating is a very bad, bad it's thing. It's a very bad thing. I actually got a thousand. Write your MPs I about actually, this. I actually <laughs> got, I got a thousand. Well, I think just about a thousand upvoted. Post explaining zero rating on Reddit. Somebody asked, there's a thread about how Europe was going to allow zero ratings. Like somebody's like, "What's that?" That's, I, that's not because you informed it. them. That's because it's a circle jerk. But <laughs> well, no, but I no that person was informed. The people who upvoted me were circle jerking. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, no, zero rating's a bad thing. But that said, the whole point is, it's like 
if with the legal streaming services and any internet connection, uh, and any device essentially, because everything has Crunchyroll on it, it's just all the, like, I can't imagine taking the anime library that I've built up in DVD or around with me recently. It's, sta- it has stayed it's sealed in Tupperware boxes for the past seven years in the United States. It has not been opened once. Meanwhile, what has happened now with Crunchyroll and Funimation merging their catalogs and making it available through their services, I have access to more anime than in ten times as many boxes as I have down there. And I have 500 DVDs there, but it would be like having 5,000. And I have access to it through my cell phone. Well, on okay, on that note, there's one issue we should probably go back to, which yeah. is the home video licenses that Crunchyroll announced back yeah. in in July. True. Um, so, again, going, going back to that deal, Crunchyroll licensed several titles, including uh, Twin Star Exorcists, uh, the new Berserk anime, Myriad Colors Phantom World, Big Order, and Gintama. They, their plan was to dub those shows themselves and distribute them on home video. So, what was revealed in the new plan is that Funimation is going to be handling production of the dubs, apparently, mm-hmm. of the, the new dubs moving forward, mm-hmm. and will distribute the home video for Crunchyroll. They're taking responsibility for the dubbing and home video distribution, which is the areas that they are well-known for, for Crunchyroll titles moving well, forward. Well, How, or apparently, it is unconfirmed if they're going to have any involvement in the titles that Crunchyroll already announced. Yeah. It, it looks like that wherever they sent those titles to before... Those projects are probably going to stand. They are probably going to. I don't. I think they'd spend. I don't think they want to spend the money to redo it. Oh yeah, it would be. It would be insane. And I, well, especially because it sounds like that they're going to have a massive flood of new titles that they have to just keep up with. And Funimation apparently said they're massively expanding their their dubbing uh, resources as well. So if you want to get into voice acting, unfortunately, you may still. But at least the opportunities have greatly probably expanded. But you're going to be in Dallas, Fort Worth. <laughs> Yeah. Essentially, all the anime that is going is... to be dubbed there going forward. So it's still it's not clear what's going on with the the titles that Crunchyroll announced previously. The word on the street has been that there has been some Canadian involvement in the dubbing of those programs. We have to be a little careful about how we speculate about that for for two reasons. One is that while information has leaked through the cracks, that has pretty much a hundred percent confirmed that Gintama, the first fifty or so episodes of Gintama, have been dubbed in Canada. Uh, very likely in Vancouver. This information has not been officially confirmed by Crunchyroll or anyone else yet. And also, any any word that any other title has been dubbed in Canada or or anywhere is uh, completely unsubstantiated at this point. And two, you have to consider that any prediction that we have made on this show has never proven to be correct. So saying we'll never get any anything. Of, here. Take any of our speculation here about this with a with a grain of salt. Well, and, and, but and I will say this: if Funimation wanted to get a lot of shit done fast, the easiest way to probably spin up would be to say there is already a group that will cost less than our existing group of people up here yeah, in Canada. But we've been saying that for years. We've been saying that for years, but they've never been under the gun so heavily. Yeah. They've got a lot to get done very quickly. And I could see even, and the thing is, you don't even necessarily have to send the whole thing up here. You could do local, you could do the actual script stuff down there with their script people and then just send the scripts up here. You could just literally have just the direction and voice acting up here if you were so inclined. You can split this up. However, you'd depends. like depends. Like there, well, I mean, there, are, there are different economies to, different, how you, different, to how you handle it. But um, but the thing is, um, yeah, at the moment, the way they have made it certainly from what we have heard, 
And the way they have made it sound is that suddenly Funimation has to expand dramatically to get all this new stuff done quickly. Yeah. And you know what? That's, you know, while I would was really kind of hoping that if stuff was going to be dubbed up here, this is suddenly... An or open... anywhere besides Texas, well, because this uh, is going well, yeah. to mean like almost every major title is going to be dubbed in Texas. Dubbed in Texas yeah, yeah, everything's going to be... Yeah, all those guys who moved out to L.A., Better hope that it's like better hope that they really made that pivot to like okay. game and mainstream voice acting because otherwise Anaplex Anaplex titles will still be dubbed in L.A. Yeah, for certain they have they Anaplex keeps their production in L.A. so so that they can oversee it directly. Yeah, they have that. This is how they this is what their word on the their process has been. Yeah, and of course Anaplex will still release their titles directly, probably put them on every platform they want, but they're going to be handling the dubs themselves yeah. almost certainly on those. Yeah, uh, no question. But yeah, like I, I really hope. I think mm-hmm. there, I think there is definitely reason to believe that some of the projects have that they've done so far have, have happened here. Have, and I hope that if they started the projects here, that they we'll go, that they them finish in. them at the very least. Gintama, which was confirmed on the CRTC website, is being dubbed and having fifty episodes dubbed in Canada. I would hope that, and you have to remember with Gintama, there's a lot of Gintama. There's like two series. Uh, not all the manga has been adapted, so there may, there may very well be more Gintama. If it is being dubbed in Canada, I hope they keep it in Canada, because it's at least, it would at least be a foot in the door to possibly send other projects up here as well. Well, the other thing, the other thing that I'd like to see is this, is if there's some stuff that's dubbed up here and sent against the CRTC, I do think that especially, I mean, especially because Crunchyroll for the moment has this 13 week wall, the best thing that they can do to advertise their brand and their service uh, in Canada and get people at least looking at what's at, outside of the 13-week wall and certainly the way then would translate into people subscribing. If they have a show that is theirs that they get on TV here, yeah. that drives subscriptions. Driving subscriptions drives people in the anime fandom. It's, so It still hasn't happened it yet. It still though. hasn't happened yet, and but the thing is it can't. If there aren't things being made yeah. here, and okay. the thing is, you need to Here's keep doing, thing. and you need to keep doing that until you find the thing that can air. Yeah, you need. I know. I know we have repeated this over and over again, and I think it is true that if Crunchyroll were sending lots of projects to Vancouver, it would only be a matter of time before they you something know, would be, some killer app got dubbed in Vancouver, and then that killer app is something that has to would go on TV in on Adult Swim and yeah. would have to get on TV here. Having a big show that you're just leaving too much damn money on the table not to broadcast it. Um, but, but which would be but, like Attack on Titan. But if it's, we're dubbed in Canada, yeah. you would have the the CanCon benefit, and that and that now that matters. Enough. Until and, and until that doesn't matter, which could be two or three years from now with the review going on with CanCon policy, which is which is which is not. You don't want to leave leave that to chance. It, there's a, there's a huge. You know, it's it's kind of unfortunate because like to, still to there would have been that perfect little window where something might have stuck, and now the. Mm-hmm. Like if everything's going to Texas, those those chances are going to decrease a lot of some killer app being dubbed in Vancouver. That well, I mean, here's, I mean ne- that well, could wind up on a network here, especially so. because if nothing like if nothing else, um, let's say that they decide to use Vancouver uh, to try and keep up, they're not going to be sending un- unless for some reason the Japanese licensor tells them that they want people who are only in this pool, which it, re- it does happen, but not often. Toei uh, will probably continue to send projects here, here. but they don't uh, they don't hold on to very much. Like yeah. World Trigger is a big exception and we yeah. still don't really know what's going on with yeah. with that particular dub. But either, um so. but um yeah, no there's an aspect of the odds of even if the even if stuff a ton even if a ton of stuff got sent up here, 
now that Funimation's also got it, you know they're going to try and keep the, the, the stuff that's A-grade probably in their team, if only because it helps them with QC, right? It's in their, it's in their zone. They know what they've got. They're happier to them from a business perspective. Um, doesn't matter that maybe it'd be just as well dubbed up here, maybe better, depending on the project. They're going to be inclined, even if they borrow Vancouver for stuff, it's going to be borrowing. It's going to be the B and C simulcasts, not the A simulcasts. And we need, unless it, it's one of those rare B or Cs that's suddenly the huge title, odds are it's the big A simulcast. That would have been the killer app. That would have been the one that would have gotten on television. Oh, wait, it's not CanCon. It's not two to three, three. It's not two, two to three years from now where maybe that doesn't matter. And we're stuck with no shit on TV. Well, since Crunchyroll is in the bizarre situation of having the home video rights to Cabinary of the Iron Fortress, but not the streaming rights, I really hope that they sent that project to Vancouver and got it dubbed here. Not only because it is a big title that someone might bite on, but the irony of Cabinary not streaming in Canada, but being dubbed in Canada is just, it's too much. I, oh, I need that. Yeah, it would be kind of <laughs> satisfying. That's because that's Amazon, right? Yes. And the best part is, 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 is it would be, be dubbed within a stone's throw of Amazon employees who can't watch this show. There, there is speculation, there, there is speculation that Amazon's gonna launch in, uh, in Canada soon. This is largely being pushed by some certain media websites that keep coming back to this idea of either Amazon launching or buying Show Me or something like that. I think the biggest they, they have yet to substantiate this, but they I, keep pushing this idea out there. One more piece of news I just wanted to, yeah. to finish on. Um, Lee, Lee Talker, yeah. uh, the voice Vancouver-based voice actor, uh, finally was able to officially confirm today that he's the voice. he was the voice of Frieza in the fabled... Ocean dub of Dragon Ball Z Kai. That doesn't, that has never seen the light of that day. Has never, that has been more or less confirmed to exist for like four or five years now. It was finished at least, <laughs> oh I think four years ago now. And it's just sitting in a vault somewhere. And, kind of like I, and actually, the re- one of the main reasons we know about this, this is because Lee Talker constantly kept talking about playing Frieza on Twitter and was constantly told that he had to go and delete the tweets. And then a, a whole bunch of other information leaked out. And apparently for a while, voice actors were being told not to talk about it or pretend that it didn't exist. <laughs> so we really have no idea what's going on with this thing. That's so but weird. today, when we, we we're recording this, which is Thursday, um, Lee Talker confirmed on Facebook that he's, that he's, uh, that, that he is the voice of Frieza in that dub. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I I don't even know what to think of that at this point. I just think it's I, hilarious that there exists this, and because like Kai is a hundred episodes straight up, right? One hundred four. I think, and that is not counting the Boo episodes, uh, which were uh, a separate arc done. Oh my later. god! Um, so at least one hundred four episodes of uh, of dub. And on one hand, it's cool; these guys got a paycheck. But on the other hand, it's just going to be the weirdest thing. Like it's it's like it reminds me of that you know now infamous Kevin Kevin Smith story of doing a documentary for Prince that was put in the vault. It's like <laughs> why is like I can understand why an eccentric artist gets a documentary made by a well known filmmaker and puts it in a vault. I don't get why an explicitly commercial anime enterprise is spending also just the vastly larger amount of effort that goes into it. Hundreds of episodes of dubbing, and it's in the void. It's starting to look very possible that we will see Jerry Lewis's The Day the Clown Cried before we see <laughs> the ocean dub of Dragon Ball Z Kai. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I think, I'm, I'm happy I'm, with the Funimation I'm, 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 dub. I'm, pre- I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that there are 
books from uh, J.D. Salinger we'll see before we see that ocean dump. And I don't like. I don't want to see it. I'm happy with the Funimation dub. Yeah, no. But, like, it's, just a, it's just a curiosity at yeah, this point. Yeah, no. Like that's like um, it's it's like now like weird ghost media. It's like, did you hear about the the hidden ocean dub? Like that's like it's like borderline creepypasta stuff. It's fantastic. And actually, like these days, when just about everything surfaces eventually. Yeah, no. Like, I but mean, uh, like to have this one thing that that people can talk about definitely existing but nobody being able to see or uh give a first-hand account about no, it's like we, it's we, kind of tantalizing well no like in an era where shows constantly leak online before their official broadcast and somehow there's this entire you'd think one episode could somehow seep out this huge hundreds of episodes of content and it's just nowhere to be found is amazing yeah <laughs> We we need to savor this while we can because we don't know what's going to happen. With yeah, no. <laughs> I hope we come back to this like eventually these later. I was like, man, that was fuck dodged a bullet there. <laughs> like, really great, and we're just like, ah. And that's a wrap. Big thanks to Carl Olson for coming on the show. Also, thanks to Carl for composing the theme song to this podcast. You can find it and his other stuff at ultraclystron.com. If you want to contact me, you can reach me on Twitter at Canada or email Canada at gmail.com. As always, if you know anybody who might be interested in this show, please recommend it to them. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. See you again. 